I hit record and then instantly pulled my headphone cord out of the jack. I was like, click record, instantly everything goes wrong. Boom, can't hear anything. But everything's fine now. I plugged it back in. This episode of the Natural Habitat Podcast is starring Sachi of Rogue Status. I'm switching up the format a little bit. Instead of doing ads right away out the gate, I'm going to change it up. So first, we're going to talk a little bit. How you doing? How's everybody going? How's everybody going? Yeah, good job. We're going to talk a little bit, and I fucking am blowing it instantly. Right away, I'm blowing it, and I'm sorry. But today is Christmas Eve. At the time of this recording, uh, I believe when this is coming out, this will be the day after Christmas. So Christmas is over. You don't want to hear Christmas stuff. I understand. You've been dealing with it all the past three months, but uh, that's the that's the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of the time. I hope everyone had a great one. I hope everyone uh, you know talked to their family, got to see some loved ones, got to spend some time off of work or whatever it is that you do for your uh, for your holiday. And I hope that it was good. You know, we're wrapping up the year, coming close to the new year, and. Uh, this is just a time of reflection, a time of being thankful that you're still here, that you made it through another crazy year on this planet, and that you just happened to be born in one of the greatest times with the best technology. I I saw the fucking, I saw the SpaceX rocket with my eyeballs, and I think we might talk about it a little bit in this podcast, so I won't go too deep into it, but there was a launch from Vandenberg Air Force Base of the Falcon 9 from SpaceX. And I saw that shit blast off. It was crazy. I had a really good view of it. It was super close. And I saw all the little things pop off and little stabilizer blasters and pulsing and all these satellites went into orbit. You could look it up and see what happened. But as I was watching it, I was like, man, this is a part of history. This is something that people will talk about forever that I'm watching with my eyes. And, you know, Elon Musk is new to the game, shooting off these rockets that are reusable, that land on places. So if I'm not mistaken, Falcon 9 is one of them. And I got to see it. So it's reminiscent of, it reminds me of like someone that got to see, you know, Leonardo da Vinci fucking with one of his inventions and you know they saw it at the time and everybody else just hears about it so I got to witness it if anybody else got to see it congratulations to you um but it's a trip and we're in this time where everything is off the hook everything is really exciting everything is advancing really fast we have this exponential growth in technology where computers used to be the size of rooms a whole giant room was one computer like not even 50 years ago and now everybody has a supercomputer in their pocket so it's a beautiful time to be alive another beautiful year we made it through um before we get into this episode with sachi of rogue status it's a very interesting episode we have a great conversation. He's a good dude. We've known each other for years. And uh, he is the pipes of rogue status. Sings all the hooks now. 
and is also uh, also laid down a verse recently, and we talk about that. We talk about uh, his year living in Japan. We talk about how he got into singing, and uh, you know we get in we get into a lot of stuff. It's a great time. But before we do that, I want to talk about something that I saw a couple weeks ago that I haven't been able to bring up, and I'm going to use this opportunity to do it. And that is, I've been watching uh, a lot of this show called Minefield on YouTube. Now, this is hosted by Michael Stevens of Vsauce, and I talk about it a lot. If you guys haven't checked it out, you should check out Vsauce. The channel is one of my favorite, it's probably my favorite channel on YouTube. And he, uh, he just, he just teaches you a bunch of shit. You learn a bunch of crazy shit. A lot of the stuff from our science segments is stuff that I saw in a Vsauce video, you know, probably more than half of it. And I'm always learning new crazy shit. So he has this new show with YouTube Red, which I'm going to plug again. Maybe you could still get the free trial, but that's what I have. And YouTube Red has their own original shows, which are usually really bad, except for Do You Want to See a Dead Body and Minefield, which is hosted by Michael Stevens. And he does all these like different experiments, and he gets people that are unknowingly involved for a lot of them and tests out the human mind and the human psyche and our decision-making under certain circumstances and recreates famous experiments, does new groundbreaking ones. And he just recently did an episode where he went in, he went to Peru, I believe, or somewhere in, in the Amazon and did uh, ayahuasca, which has been done a lot. A lot of people are doing it lately. You watch Hamil Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. Uh, you watch, uh, there's someone else I saw do it recently, but it's kind of the thing on YouTube and all these alternative media sources. You go there, you do ayahuasca, you trip out. You're like, whoa, this is so crazy. You talk about your experience. So it's been done before, but he did it differently because he brought this, uh, this neuroscientist out with him and he did a bunch of brain scans on him before he did the ayahuasca, after he did it, during the ayahuasca, when they came back home a couple weeks later. And this was, as far as I know, the first time that any study like this has been done with ayahuasca. So he, uh, he went there, <clears throat> did all of his brain scans, drank it, and when he did his brain scans during ayahuasca, they were a lot more complex on the EEG reader. And this is some sort of thing they put on your head and it reads your brain scans or your brain activity. And I don't know how it works. I'm not a neuro fucking physicist or whatever they're called. But I am a guy with eyeballs and I saw it. So that's how it worked. And um, it was much more complex when he was under the influence of ayahuasca, which means that, you know, his imagination is more powerful. His thought process is deeper. And he described it. It was really trippy. He described it like, you know, if, if I were to tell you to think of, to imagine a pink elephant, you could do that. You're probably doing it right now. Pink elephant. Now, if I were to ask you how many wrinkles were on the elephant's trunk, then you would have to reimagine the elephant. You'd have to be like, okay, well, here's this elephant again. 
you'd have to add the detail of the trunk, whatever it is that your brain did. You'd zoom in on it and look at the trunk and then count them. And with ayahuasca, all those details are already there. The first time you think of it, everything is in full detail. And you already know all these things. You don't have to go back and make it happen with your brain. So that was crazy. And then when he came back home, a couple weeks later, he did an fMRI, which is a deep brain scan. And they found out that they already knew that after psychedelics, your, uh, your part of your brain that's called the, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's uh, responsible for like your ego and your sense of self. And what happens is under a high dose of psychedelics, this part of your brain shuts down, which is your ego disillusion. And then it comes back online. And usually it's like a reboot of a computer. So it comes back online a little bit cleaner, a little bit stronger. And you have this new sense of self, which is what people describe after they take psychedelics. I've described it a lot. I just didn't know this was an actual scientific thing that you could see. So they scanned his brain, and before he did it, this section of his brain was, you know, a bunch of little dots scattered around, and after the ayahuasca, it was one centered, bright, concentrated thing, and it was just crazy to see that. That's the feeling that you feel after you do psychedelics. You're like, like the next day and the next week, even, you're a little bit more positive. You look at the world a little different. Like when you're on, when you're deep, deep in this psychedelic trip, you like almost feel like you have it figured out. Like you can't put it to words, but it all makes sense. The whole world and, the, and everything and life, it all makes sense. And you're like, okay, I fucking get it. And then as soon as you're done, it goes away. And you can't explain that with words at all. It'd probably take colors and music to explain that shit. So what you're left with is this new feeling of, of a new you and that you could start life over, that you can make new decisions, that you can take a different path. You're a little bit nicer, a little bit more positive. Everything's a little bit brighter. Things are a little bit more beautiful for the next week. And then, then you slowly slip back into who you were before. And... You know, a lot of times you can use that as a life-changing experience. I think that, you know, probably every time I've done psychedelics, I've changed something about myself that I realized that I didn't like while I was on those psychedelics. So that's an actual thing in your brain, a part of your brain that shuts down. And then you go, who am I? I'm nobody <laughs> when it's shut down. And then it comes back online and you can have this stronger sense of you. So I thought that that was really interesting and Minefield is dope. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. If you don't have YouTube Red or you can't get YouTube Red, then just watch Vsauce because Vsauce is a free channel and there's fucking hundreds of videos on there that are mad interesting. So uh, I think that's about it. I think that's all I got to add. We're going to go ahead and get into this episode. Uh, Sachi from Rogue Status. You can get to know a little bit more about him if you are a fan. And if you don't know, you're about to. But first, some business. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Lighter Bro. Lighter Bro is a multi tool that you put your lighter into. It fits Bic and Cricut lighters, so both teams, Bloods and Crips, you can both get a Lighter Bro, put it on your lighter, and there's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of shit that's inside of this multi tool. It's got a little poker, it's got a knife, it's got scissors, it's got a bottle opener on the bottom, and this thing is uh, it's everything that you need to clean out your bowl, declog your pipe, uh, chop up your weed. Uh, you could even take dabs with this uh, this little knife. It's a perfect dabber. Boop, bloop is the noise that it makes. And then you can use this laser etched logo face as a carb cap because that's not painted on. That's not going to melt and get weird. That's laser etched, so it's easily used as a carb cap for your dabs that you are taking off of your knife slash screwdriver that is attached. And you can get this at LighterBro.com for very cheap. I'm not sure how much, but it's not that much, and it's totally worth it because I got a few of these in the mail, and I put one on my lighter, and I haven't taken it off. I've gone through like six or seven lighters since then. And you just pop out your dead lighter, pop your new one in. It's not like clunky or strange. It fits really good in the hand and has everything that you need. So now my knife is no longer dirty and filled with resin because I just pop my little tiny screwdriver on there. Oh, and also, if you need to fix your sunglasses, which I do constantly for some reason, you have that little screwdriver. You know the one that you never have? That you're like, oh man, I need to go buy an eyeglasses kit from the grocery store. Who does that? Who does that? Not you. With Lighter Bro. So go to LighterBro.com. Let them know that we sent you. Get yourself some uh, get yourself some fresh shit and have people go, hey, where'd you get that? Say the Natural Habitat Podcast. Let you know. All right. Uh, so here it is. Sachi. Let's do this. <laughs> Smith? No, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It came out yesterday. I uh, I watched it yesterday morning. It's uh, it was good. It was a decent movie. I saw the, I like saw it last night, and then I watched the trailer to decide if I was gonna watch it or not. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it I decided no when I watched the trailer. Didn't but intrigue your... But I didn't put I didn't put it off forever. I was just like, oh, I'll check that out. But I didn't check it out immediately. Right. I ended up watching. Uh, I ended up watching this new like documentary <laughs> thing <laughs> called uh, Wormwood. Okay, yeah, I've seen I've I've seen it pop up on mine a few times. I, I just and it was about that it was about the scientist that killed himself during the MK Ultra thing, 
where uh, where the government was giving civilians and scientists and shit LSD oh. to try to study the effects. And I want to say that I just started it, but I want to say that he was unknowingly dosed with LSD. He jumped out of his window, his hotel room window, from like, you know, a good few floors up, died on impact. They told his family that he had fallen or jumped out of his window and they didn't know anything about the LSD until like 40 years later when all this came out yeah then it all came out about the MK Ultra program and then they were like oh yeah scientist heavily dosed on LSD jumps out of hotel room window in like Seattle or wherever it was and this kid that was all grown up was like uh that was my dad yeah the, how many scientists <laughs> jumped out of windows like in that year in that city so he like starts looking into it and that's what the documentary is all about is like Oh, okay. They're like interviewing his son and he's talking about like the crazy government programs they did. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. MK Ultra. I'll have to check that out. It's nuts. Like, yeah, I've, always, I've, I've seen it. I remember seeing it at Wormwood and like I remember, yeah, I remember reading something about the preview about something with LSD and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. But it's, I always kind of just kind of see what else is on and always managed to find something else to watch. But I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, and then I also heard about Project Bluebeam. Did you see the rocket that went off last night? No. There was a there was a SpaceX rocket. Elon Musk blasted some shit off from Vandenberg, and he put like ten satellites into orbit, I believe. This one rocket then? Yeah, and it looked insane. I saw the shit blasting off, like you know, a little fire trail behind it, and then it started smoking and ripping through the atmosphere and doing its thing, and it left this big cloud <clears throat> that was lit up by the sun because it was nighttime but it was backlit by the sun because it was so high right right and uh it was like a super trip to see this like lit up cloud in the night sky hmm. and it shot up and then it broke off into a bunch of little pieces and then these pieces had little pulses that were coming off the side of them like it would pulse and then a little like half circle or like quarter circle would kind of come off one side. It was like blowing its own smoke rings. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think it was like stabilizers, like keeping it on track. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. I get it. I can see yeah. It now. Yeah. And it was all these little fucking satellites that got shot into orbit. I guess oh, the pod damn. broke up so once it, it got boom, up there. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah and it was crazy. Cool. That's a trip. What time was this all at? This was last night at uh, I want to say it was like shortly after sunset. Hmm. So I want to say it was around like was seven or something like that. The hell was I doing at seven? Oh, actually, I know what I was. I was at a uh, my uh, my friend's uh, daughter's birthday. Yeah, well, that's what you get for celebrating your friend's daughter's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! It was uh, six years is not an important number. Why? Why the hell was I there? It was five twenty nine. Five twenty nine. Yeah, so five thirty. Oh, so five thirty. What was? Oh, five thirty. I was shopping for her damn, her damn her damn birthday present. Mm -hmm. So again, birthday man. So oh, I has this one birthday, my entire <laughs> destiny has changed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so I was looking up, I saw like this video of it and someone had hashtagged it Project Blue Blue uh Bluebeam, Blue that's what I said. Project Bluebeam, <laughs> thank you. And uh and apparently it's this like I watched this video by somebody that is tied to anonymous, supposedly, that was talking about Project Bluebeam is uh First, they're going to find a bunch of, there's going to be a bunch of fake discoveries that are going to change the course of human history. So 
We just recently found some bones of a modern-day human that predated the first human by hundreds of thousands of years. Did we really? Yeah. And it pushed it pushed human existence, modern human existence, back 200,000 years, I want to say. So we live with the dinosaurs. Well, no, I guess that's not far <laughs> no, enough yet. Not <laughs> we're not we're not getting that far into this into this fucking Humans Noah's Ark type shit. Jesus, six thousand year old Earth. <laughs> Imagine building a boat for two of them motherfuckers. Right. So, uh, so the first thing is all these discoveries come out, and it's going to change the way that religion has been written and perceived because everything's translated, right? Right. So they're going to say, according to this new information all of the translations that we've been living by are all false and they actually mean this and then they're gonna uh this this feels like a, a scheme for conformity dude it's so crazy <laughs> and then and then they're gonna uh they're gonna convince everyone that an alien invasion is imminent by producing all these media shows about aliens yeah and shit. all these shows and all these movies and shit have been preparing us they say <laughs> right, right like right. independence day and right. fucking you know Men it's funny too because I, I watch some of these movies and it's like i almost feel like i mean how do they know like ver like they just like know they have a they have a solution for every you know yeah uh -huh. <laughs> everything that happens is like where are they getting gathering this intel from like it's already ready you know what <laughs> i mean it seems like are you trying to tell us something right now yep. yeah so that's the thing is that they're trying to let us know and uh and then they're gonna stage this alien invasion using holograms in the sky fucking tupac and odb and shit. yeah now people <laughs> now people are trying to say that what we just saw was a tupac hologram <laughs> in the sky last night which it absolutely wasn't but they're saying that that is part of project blue beam and that uh they're using you've heard of chemtrails right that they're using chemtrails are creating the clouds which are being used as a backdrop for these holograms okay so this shit is insane and it goes deep huh. I'm, I'm not saying i believe in it at all i don't there's a lot of that i don't believe in but you know that's uh, uh hmm. it opened this whole new door of project blue beam for me <laughs> uh well you say this so okay so uh my friend my when i was in japan i met this guy uh john he uh he's definitely an avid uh uh alien seeker yeah you know what i mean um he was telling me uh about he's, he's got this like radar kind of material i don't i've never actually seen it but he was trying to explain it to me i really don't know what the hell it was but um some kind of radar uh equipment that he can like track the weather and he was telling me about these chemtrails and you know the conspiracy they is his conspiracy behind all of it and everything and a lot of it you know had valid points and and you know because of that conversation i look at him you know differently now you know most conspiracy theorists do well chemtrails are they've totally been like disproven by science it's just right. it, it's just the engines heat going through right a certain part of the sky that has a certain amount of humidity right and is the right temperature he was, his, his basic theory was you know they're using chemtrails to control the weather and be yeah. able to to create whatever whatever weather at, at any point they wanted which cloud seeding is a real thing and right. I'll, i will introduce you in a moment cloud seeding is a real thing <laughs> but he was saying uh during one of these things though when he was doing his radar beams uh he said that one day just once he was sitting there it's just a, a solid red line that went across the whole screen and they, there's no explanation for that. So I mean, you th when I when you say like the hologram, like 
could that one red line have been, have been that hologram yeah. uh, signal or whatever image mm-hmm. that they were per- projecting, you know, and he just caught it on his radar and it just made this solid red line because that was the image being projected, you know? Possibly. Going back, you know, full circle now in the conversation. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a, there's all, all these like different radio waves and shit are being weaponized now. And there was recently, I forget where it was, but a whole office full of people got hit by this, like this pulse that you couldn't hear and couldn't feel. But it made you feel sick mm-hmm. after long exposure to it. It made you feel, you know, nauseous and headache and all this shit. And they cleared out this whole building with this fucking strange pulse. So a lot of different things are being weaponized. That's not today's topic. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, we? How we? we <laughs> how will the Earth successfully kill itself? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I guess not the Earth, but the people of it. <laughs> so. Uh, We've, I guess we're gonna, we're probably gonna keep a good chunk of this yeah. in the beginning, yeah, and then uh, good, good combo. This is the Natural Habitat podcast for people that are just joining 15 minutes into the show that hey, they hey. like to skip in. Uh, we have Sachi in the Hello. house today, the great and powerful Sachi. How's it going? Of Rogue Status. Hey, um, the one of the newer, probably the newest edition yeah, of Rogue Status. So. I would say so. Yeah, yeah I was the, yeah the newest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Rogue Status, uh, awesome tie. Uh, Roach Clip, Famous Deuce, DJ Ra Ra, Sachi. Hello. And uh, if you are a regular listener to the show, then you probably know some of these names I said. You probably recognize the songs. Some of them sound familiar. We push you guys all the time. We're constantly talking about Rogue Status. Support. And trying to trying to get the elusive Roach Clip on the show because he does not like podcasts or doing them. Yeah. Yes. The the almighty and elusive. Mm-hmm. Roach clip, the clip of roaches. But uh, you know, you are you are quite the elusive guy yourself, and I mean, I, I'm not, 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 I'm, I don't I don't think so. But well, I mean, for for <laughs> people that for people that just listen to the music and don't know any of you guys in real life, there's not really a lot to go off of with you. You're a new addition. Right. You got fucking pipes, boy. Hey. All right. You are the new singing edition <laughs> and rap and rapping edition. You also spit some verses too, right? I got uh, yeah, I have, I have a verse on, yeah. a, on a song, yeah. I heard the verse. The verse. The <laughs> infamous Sachi verse. But um you know, we've been uh we we've been homies for years. We've yeah. known each other for a while. Actually, I mean, I could we could trace back to uh actually our first acquaintance I would say would be back in like elementary almost. Yeah. I would was say it was long, uh, long the dare time. program or the daycare. Uh, what was, was it? No, it was, what was it called? Uh, was it Pride? Pride. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. Pride program. That, that was, was the first time. That was that was the time that I found out about uh, in the Lion King <laughs> when when uh, when Simba lays down and the cloud comes up and it says sex in the cloud. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? No, no, I've heard of it. I've heard of. I never actually seen it. I'm gonna pull up a picture right now. <laughs> but that's where. Lion King sex cloud is what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Your web history. Oh, sex <laughs> sex leaves is what it is. <laughs> All right, here, peep game on this. Uh, see the clouds kind of popped up. Yeah, 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 I see it. And it clearly spells out the word sex. <laughs> so this was, this was pre or SFX maybe it says. SFX. And maybe they were trying to. Maybe they were trying to shout out. Maybe it was yeah the 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 effects you know. 
Yeah, like like the effects company. They yeah. were like, "Hey, man, good job, yeah. effects company. Right. We're gonna give you a shout out right here," <laughs> and, it, and it just totally backfired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then, what do you what do you have to say about Aladdin? Then when uh, when he asked Jasmine to pull down her pants. Yeah, right. So, that was I a mean, creepy thing too. Uh, how do you explain that? I mean, or that's, what, what kind of shout out is that? Like, or <laughs> or need we say the dick on the Little Mermaid cover? Oh, right, right. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, Disney. Yeah, Disney has a bad bad history with wow. shit like this. I mean, per, I mean. Perverted. Very true. <laughs> Perverted and anti-Semitic. Very yeah, anti-Semitic. That is, that's uh, it's sad to see. Not a thing you want to be known for as a company. Right. And also, I mean, to be associated is also the happiest place on, on Earth. Ooh, and Star Wars. Let's not forget. Oh, yeah, that, Did you yeah, see the new own, Star Wars? I actually, I was just watching uh, this thing on Netflix. I didn't finish it. Uh, but it's... Uh, it's called The Toys That Shaped Us or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it's basically about uh, the company who had the contract on building Star Wars toys. and then it, But it talked about how later when Disney bought uh, and the, the Lucasfilms and the Star Wars franchise and all that and continued to pursue it out. And then this company actually had a rebirth in their life because like they were struggling now that Star Wars and, and George Lucas said, we're not doing it anymore. Yeah. And then uh, so it was like, yeah. But it was a cool show. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. I gotta check it out. Yeah, it's a little documentary on, uh, on, on the so, toys. So, uh, so we go back into the days. What was I talking about um, after that? <laughs> it happens a lot. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spark up this other joint. Yeah, that'll help us remember. One thing that I didn't know until very recently, and you just mentioned, is that you lived in Japan. You lived in Japan for how long? I lived in Japan for uh, a period of a, a close to a year, just about, just under a year. Okay, now that's mad exotic, and I feel like <laughs> we should talk about that. What what brought you to Japan? What? Uh, my actually, my oldest brother, he's a half brother, uh, same dad. Uh, he lives in Japan. He's uh, he has his own uh, contracting company over there. Yeah. And uh, I went over there and lived with him. Uh, it was he's kind of one of a uh, an estranged brother, I guess. I mean, my brothers, I have, I'm the youngest of five. I have two half two half brothers on each side of my family. Two from my mom's side, two from my dad's. And you were born here in California. I was born here in California. Okay. Um. And so uh, the two, they, all of them kind of been estranged um, just because there's a huge age gap. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyways, he lives over there. I went to go visit him and live with him for the, for the time being. And, uh, and uh, in Japan, the tourist visa, you're only allowed to stay for a period of three months at a time. Yeah. And then in that three months, you have to leave for a minimum of, you have to leave the country. It doesn't matter where, you just have to leave the country uh, for a minimum of two weeks. Um before you can come back for another period of three months. Okay. You can only do that about three times in a year. <coughs> so technically, you can only spend a maximum of <coughs> nine months in Japan. Uh, and so what what I ended up doing is I have my other half-brother from, from my dad's side lives in Taiwan. Yeah. And so what ended up happening is after three months, I'd go up to Taiwan for, and I'd end up staying for a month, and then coming back to Japan for three months, and then going back to Taiwan for a month, and then back to Japan for three months again for a total of, what, 11 months? So uh -huh. just really just under a year. Um, and no, it was great. It was a great experience. I loved it. I would, I would go back in a heartbeat. It was awesome. So, uh, so did you go there and, and work for your brother's company or what? Um, uh, or did you just hang out and live the tourist life in Japan? Um, I should say live the tourist life in Japan. I did. I mean, like did the tourist life in Japan and that's, that's, I should say that, but, uh, for legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you did the work. You did the work. You were there on a work visa. So. Oh, no, I was there on a, on a tourist visa. So. Oh, all right. All right. I'm, uh, technically, I'm not allowed to work there. <laughs> I see. I see. So, yeah, you know, you just lived it up, relaxed. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Uh, one thing, I was, I love the culture over there. Everything's built on, the, on, on trust and honor and respect. So it's, I mean, everything there is, you know, everybody's very respectful there. You know, and even when... Even when like people are like bad people, I guess you could, I guess so to say, like they're not like 
disrespectful to you. Like every, they're like known to be a specific type of person, but at the same time, they're also a respectful person in the community. Like, yeah, you know what I mean, it's it's kind of it's hard to explain, I guess, but. Yeah, like, like say like uh, let's say like the yakuza, like the mafia, like that's still a very big thing in Japan, like, mm-hmm. and uh, they're open about who they are. You know, you see them on the street, and they know people know who you what they are. You know what I mean? And but at the same time, they're like not out there being assholes, being like oh shaking people down. You know, they're like oh you know they're just a normal person in the community and citizen. They're yeah. respectful, but and they'll say excuse me and fucking, exactly you know. you know what I mean. And but at the same time, everybody knows who they are and what they do and mm-hmm. you know what they're into and stuff. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's that's cool. crazy. It's definitely yeah. something that we're lacking here in america especially now is you know that respect and the honor right and i think that that's i think that's something that a lot of people are attracted to in japanese culture right you know i know that i i know that i was when i was a kid and you know like the honor of the samurai right and all that type of shit so yeah no it's cool like uh it's one thing that i was uh kind of us you know amazed to have i guess uh been a part of i guess or not been a part of but uh experienced mm-hmm. um was how segregated actually japan still is uh, a lot of the older traditional japanese don't like foreigners and it's not just americans um it's all foreigners but especially americans yeah <laughs> you know i can imagine um it's they use there's a, a derogatory slang word called gaijin which is basically a slang for, for a guy in jeans an american <laughs> for for an no, american in gaijin jeans. is like it's foreigner it's, it's like a derogatory <laughs> slang for foreigner in japanese gaijin yeah and so uh literally uh uh <laughs> there's places where they don't allow foreigners in like it's japanese only store like stores and and shops and everything dang communities yeah that's crazy and but even then like those people like if you happen to stumble in there they'll let you know you're not supposed to be there but they'll do it nicely (laughs) with with honor and respect you know like hey dude like i'm gonna hook you up because you're in here you might want to leave please because we will kill you (laughs) thank you thank you very much thank you we appreciate it (laughs) man that's pretty crazy well that's Uh, that you got to go and how old were you i was 20 at the time nice so yeah. and the legal drinking age in japan is 20 so it all worked I base, out and then i came back i was 21 i spent my 21st birthday over there which really didn't matter to me because i've been drinking already so, mm-hmm. you know i'm drinking of age here already but <coughs> so was, i kind of had a, a year start on the legal drinking age for me because i went to japan when i was 20 which is legal for them to drink there so 20 years old i was allowed to start buying drinks and by the time i came back to the states i was 21 already so nice you know, it's just it all worked out <laughs> That's fresh. So, so the so the day to day life in Japan is it pretty much, pretty much the same as how it is here? Um, is, was I mean, there any major differences? It's definitely more compact. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's eighty percent. So, of all the country of Japan, they utilize only twenty percent of their land because all, basically the other eighty percent is all mountainous, unusable area. You know what I mean? Uh huh. And so, uh, really, only twenty percent of all. Of japan's landmass is being occupied so literally you think of half the population in the united states crammed into california dang yeah that's crazy right like i I forgot exactly what the number was but yeah it comes out to almost basically half of the entire united states population and stuffed into california yeah and that's something that you always hear that's like the that's the stereotype of of japan is you know houses stacked on top of each other yeah it's absolutely one of the coolest thing I liked was my brother's house was, it was a two-story building, which was nice, because normally they're just skyscrapers, you know what I mean? <coughs> but the bottom floor was a bar. It was the VFW. And so it was a big old bar, and my brother's house, or apartment, or I don't know what to exactly call it, really is his house. Like, that's how they are. The houses are, like, not this standalone houses. They're, like, condos in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was right above the upstairs. So I just go downstairs, get drunk, and then stumble my ass upstairs and go to bed. Nice, nice. And if I got tired of just going to a bar, two buildings down, there was actually a nightclub. And so I would just stumble like literally two, two, three doors down, you know. Did you do any karaoke while you were in uh, Japan? Uh, I actually, uh, no, yes and no, yes. I didn't actually sing at the time. I didn't really discover my like, my ability to sing until about five years ago. Yeah, that's when I first that started, started singing karaoke. <coughs> yeah, because I remember you and your girlfriend at the time would do right crazy karaoke, and you were like the local stars. People would be like, "Man, these fucking they kill it!" Like they actually <laughs> are, you know, they're fun to listen to and a pleasure to hear instead of. 99% of karaoke is like just some drunk guy. Well, that, that, that to me is the best part of karaoke are those guys. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite part of karaoke are those guys mm-hmm. because, you know, th- I, I applaud them. I really do because they obviously have to know that, they, that they're terrible. Well, you're probably yeah. also the kind of guy that likes to watch the American Idol rejects. The people that did yeah. not make it on American Idol, but <laughs> are too would. ridiculous. I probably would. I, I don't watch much of those shows, but I probably would. That mm-hmm. would sound like something that would intrigue, mm-hmm. <laughs> intrigue me. Uh, it's a rabbit hole <laughs> I've gone down on YouTube, <laughs> definitely. Some William Hung and uh, uh, who was the other one? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, who was that? It was like the oh, who was it? There Just was, real cringy. And there's there's two. There was these t- <laughs> like the two <laughs> most memorable ones. And I remember there was a, a rumor a rumor that circulated that. That the the product or the the company was gonna put out a a, a duet album with them. Oh shit! <laughs> I think at least one of them had to be staged. One of them I, had to be fake. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that whoever was first worked so good that they were like, "Dude, we gotta, we gotta fucking do this, do this again." again. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Then everybody was like, "This is a little too much," and they had to. They were like, "Abort, abort!" abort. <laughs> All right, pull back the reins. Pull back the reins. Yeah, they had two guys lined up, and they're I like, took, "We're uh, not gonna." Well, actually, uh, that girl uh, that I was dating at the time that sang karaoke, uh-huh. she's the whole reason why I started singing. But anyways, I took her to uh, an American Idol uh, uh, tryout, audition. audition. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time I'll ever do anything like that, ever. Yeah? Oh, my God. We got there. I was... <laughs> we, got to, we got to San Francisco, and we came there the morning to wait in line. We got there at, like, 5 a.m., and we were, like, way back. It was crazy. So we were there at 5 a.m. sitting in this line. We didn't even get to the desk to sign up to try out until like 4 in the afternoon. Dang. Like a solid almost 12 hours of just standing in line. And did you make it to the tryouts? Well, that was a thing. So we got up there. We signed up, registered. They're like, okay, come back in this day, which was like two days later. So yeah. Like, Fuck, all right. We got to spend another two days in San Francisco. Yeah. Um. So we do that, have fun, whatever. And we come back two days later. And we spent another six, eight hours, or no, I would say probably three hours in line, and then probably another four or five hours just sitting in the bleachers waiting for her number to be called to yeah. try out. And they go in, so when they call your number, you go in there, and you're actually in a line of, uh, you're actually in a booth with four people, and you just go down the line, and they, <coughs> they start singing, and they go, nope, nope. Nope, and out of the they can take they can either take one or all or none, you know what I mean? Like of those four people. Yeah. And that's literally how they do the tryouts. That, that first that first initial setup before they start hitting the show is they just have them set up line up in the four and they tell them go. Nope. 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 Okay. Or nope or whatever, you know what I mean? Like Dang. it might be. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, she ended up not getting picked, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, it she's, sounds like a lot of people. Great voice, you know, but I mean, sounds like there's so many people that go I'm in. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people that just great voices that get. I mean, obviously, you know what I mean. There wouldn't be continual seasons if yeah, if they picked the best voice of everybody on the first show. You know. Yeah, it's funny. Like, it's funny. Like they they make it 
they make it seem like such a such a dream come true process like you know going to it like the whole thing and it's been like it's been parodied on stuff right and you know uh like it it makes it seem like an adventure you get to go to the city you get to fucking go and you get to see these people and like when they were when you went in oh, and when you out. when you went in and sang for them it was just it was just some random people right it right. wasn't anybody from the show you didn't get to meet anybody you didn't get to meet randy jackson no, or whatever no, yeah there was literally nobody from the show yeah <laughs> so so you you it makes it look like this whole big experience but you're really just being herded in like cattle oh wow yeah. and they're just Absolutely. churning through the population just mm -hmm. like nope 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 yep. nope yeah okay yeah we could probably sell you yeah all right nope yeah that's you know what that's probably exactly what it is is they're they're not looking at your voice at this point they're just yeah they're just looking at are you marketable uh-huh yeah they're like are you attractive are you white because that's going to be great right so it's gross it really is it's an <laughs> it's a gross thing when you like when you break it down yeah yeah when you hear the the just, insides of it just like you know you don't you don't want you don't want to know how your your steak is made you know there's not a yeah you want to be disconnected from that yeah. someone so, someone uh I, I was buying cup of noodles recently and the woman that was scanning my groceries goes you know how long those stay in your stomach <laughs> and i was like no and she was like look it up on youtube you'll never eat them again and then i was just like no i'm definitely not going to look that up because i like them and then i started thinking about all the cup of noodles i eat Right. And how long they stay in my stomach and how like how, how often you eat them. Yeah, and I it's mean, like I mean I went on a steady like ramen, you know. Yeah, you go diet, on a, you, you go know? on a kick like <laughs> you know like I I have real food as well, but I like them because of the ghetto-ness of them and the taste. <laughs> well. I ate them because that was all I could afford at yeah. one point. But <laughs> no, I've I've been there definitely. Yeah, yeah. And look, when you're poor, you go ramen bags. You don't go cup of noodles. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. No, absolutely yeah. not. The cup of noodles is like the step up. Like, let me get that shit. You can you afford know? when you host a number one podcast. <laughs> 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 that's cup of noodles life, right? So, uh, yeah, I've definitely been there with the top ramen. I feel Shrimp you. Flavored man, I got me thinking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I started thinking about like, you know, I'll go on these kicks and I'll be all blunted and shit and I'll do this thing where I'll, I'll heat up two cup of noodles and pour them into a bowl and shit. Ooh, so double barreling. I'm like, how big is this pile of noodles in my stomach? If it, <laughs> how long does it stay? Is, is, is it years? Cause if it is, then I probably need surgery. <laughs> right. These things are just uh -huh. consistent, constantly just like expanding I got this, in your stomach. I got this gut I can't get rid of. <laughs> and it's like all noodles. <laughs> and then how does it come out? Is it just a big old noodle? <laughs> I don't know, man. Just a noodle, like a pool noodle just come <laughs> a noodle poop. So, uh, so how did you, um, how did you get, uh, involved with rogue status? <laughs> the rogue status i mean i've known the, all the guys for for a while you know i mean uh me and nick used to work each other with work each other work with each other work each other off hey anyways we used to work with each other over at uh, applied technologies back in like right out of high school like 2004 or whatever uh -huh. and that's actually when i first met roach and um he actually roach actually hooked me up with like my first disc of actual beats you know what i mean back in that day and that's actually what kind of got me started with trying to do hip-hop at that time uh-huh um and then uh and then ty ty i've known for quite some time actually i've i could trace back my the time i met ty was actually in middle school 
Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he actually tried to sell my neighbor's, uh, he tried to pass off, uh, well, actually, he successfully passed off oregano as weed. Hell yeah, To he my did. neighbors. <laughs> That's the smoothness of time. I remember I was like in seventh grade and, and yeah, he was in eighth grade or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> my neighbors are so mad at him for the longest time. I would be too. Uh, I've, I've told Tyler the story too. I, yeah. I don't know if he remembers. Hey man, it's funny. it happens sometimes. It's, hey, you, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes. I don't know what kind of people your neighbors are, but... <laughs> I know that I know that there was one there was one time there was this guy that was super annoying and like would always hang out and shit and ride around on his bike and he was a lot older than everybody and he came up to me one day and asked if I can get weed and I was like yeah how much do you need and he was like I need a 40 and I was like okay come back in like 15 minutes so he leaves on his bike and then I just take like some cellophane and take some grass like from the ground where I was sitting in the park <laughs> and stuffed it in there and then like put another cellophane around it and put another cellophane around that and like sealed them all up so he couldn't really see it. It just had like a green look between these layers of yep. crumpled up clear. And I gave it to him and then fucking, I was like, there you go, man. And he was like, thanks. And I was like, no problem. Oh. And then I bailed. <laughs> Never seen the guy again. Yeah, that was the only time. That was the only time I did it. And I feel like he deserved it. Hey, so, if you're coming up to some random kid I'm on the, on a, on a, Little Oak Knoll or wherever it was. Yeah. You Plus, know? you know, he sh probably shouldn't be doing drugs anyway. He's too yeah. old. Like, he's old hanging out with kids. Like, get your life together, dude. Right. Exactly. You're not the kind of guy that should be smoking weed. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you grow you up. Need to, you need to go find a, uh, a treatment center. Yeah. Maybe come back to this in a couple years. So, uh, so you met Ty selling that oregano back in uh, back in middle school. Middle school, yeah. And then uh, Jarvis just recently moved here. Right. With, like, a couple years ago. If you, like, about, uh, I would say. About four years ago. Four years ago. Sounds about right. Somewhere mm -hmm. about that time. From Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio. Shout out to all the Toledo heads out there. <laughs> What's going on? We got something to listen. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, no, I met I met uh, Jarvis basically through Ty and Group Home. Yeah. Um. I did the song with them back in you know 2012 or what it was. Um. And then uh, yeah, being being Ty's neighbor, I met him through all them, and uh, I, then I started taking. Jarvis out to Roach's house to record and all that stuff and I always just kind of sat around the studio while they recorded and everything and finally one day they were like hey get on a track yeah and it was kind of like a shotgun kind of like moment where it was like hey we're gonna do I showed up one day and he's like hey we're gonna make a song today right now and I was like uh okay he's like all right so here's some beats start going through some beats and he's like so pick a couple you like and I was like all right cool so we listened to probably like 12 different beats <laughs> and I picked like two two beats that I liked and I was like oh these these two sound cool He's like, he's like, well, actually, I kind of like this one, so we're gonna we're gonna look at work on this one. I'm like, well, then what was the point? Of yeah, why you even ask me? You wasted like an hour, like just listening to all these songs. Come on now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we did the song, and so I sat there and like, he's like, all right, we're gonna do this one. Put it on loop, and literally just left, and like I'm the only person in the studio, just by myself. Like, what? Yeah. Really? So I just sit there, and uh, at this point, like I hadn't done anything musically in a while, so I'm just kind of like, fuck, I don't know what to fucking think about, talk about or anything, and. Just started finding a melody and fitting the words in, and that's actually where the uh, the single "Where uh, 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 Ain't Gonna Change" was created. I fucking knew it. I, <laughs> for some reason, I knew that that was the song. I could tell, right? But yeah, uh, that song is dope, and you killed it on there. It's like you really add this new element to the group that, you know, the group is <clears throat> like the contrast between everybody's voice, everybody else. Like you know, you have like Nick. Then you have Ty's style right. and his voice. Then you have Jarvis and he's like, you know, from a whole other region. So he brings this whole other flavor exactly, yeah. to it. And 
Then, you know, you have the DJ element with Raul, and he kills it. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you just add this, like, this extra, like, flavor. It's like that, that if you, you wouldn't know it was missing. You right. know what I mean? Like, the group is dope, but you kind of put everything together. And I know that you might not feel that way because you're you, but you really do, you, like, seal the deal for Rogue Status, and you yeah. make it this you know, like this different thing to where it's not just a group of rappers making, you know, dope music because there's a lot of people like that, right, you know what right. I mean? But it's like this whole other thing now. And yeah, I think no, that cool. with you, that. Yeah. like with you doing the hooks, and I think your verses are on point too, that you should do more verses. Yeah, I do want to try and do some more verses. I mean, I heard that beat, man. That beat just, it sang to me. The second I heard it, I was like, ooh. Mm -hmm. I'm putting I'm putting a verse on this one. <laughs> yeah, that beats dope too. So uh, we're actually we're actually gonna go out on that song, and we'll let everybody hear it. Oh, yeah. So if you haven't heard it, this is a treat for you. Ain't gonna change. Sachi, thank you for coming, my friends. I appreciate right. it. We hey, gotta have thank you, you for in. Having me, yeah. Anytime, we'll have you in in the future because uh, I feel like we just were on the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I feel like I feel like yeah, I feel like we barely just even really hit the the climax point here, like. Mm -hmm. So we'll climax together again soon. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Here it is. Ain't Gonna Change featuring Dirty Charlie by Rogue Status. We love you. Peace. Yay. Natural Habitat Recordings.